Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you for joining me on this sports podcast. We have a great show planned for you today. I'm talking to Crystal Rich again, my friend, calling in from Philadelphia, where she is now. The co-host of the show Sixers Outsiders, covering all Philadelphia 76ers game. A post-game show that has the fans' perspective. Crystal's had an interesting career. It's been highly successful as of yet. We're going to talk about a lot of things, including the Jimmy Butler trade that didn't happen when we set up this interview. So, uh, always fun to talk about sports. She talks about her eagle struggles, as well as her career journey. Crystal Rich on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now back on the Money Mitch Effect. It's been way too long, over a year in fact, calling all the way in from the Philly area. She's from South Jersey, moved from L.A. twice now. Don't really like that, but Crystal Rich, host of Sixers Outsiders, a new show that we're going to get to. Back on the Money Mitch Effect, Crystal, thanks for joining the show. Mitch, I can't believe it's been over a year. Thank you so much for having me back. I know it's been a long time, and, and there's a lot to catch up on. Um, first and foremost, I, the timing of this is really funny because you left LA a couple <laughs> months ago to take this this job, and uh, a little over a month ago, I should say, to take this job working on a show covering the the 76ers, your basketball team, your favorite your favorite sport. And we talk right. about setting up this this discussion. We're like, yeah, we're go, we're going to record another interview. It's going to be fun. Let's do it. You know, sometime early this week. You're like, yeah, sure. And then Jimmy Butler gets traded on Saturday to the Sixers. So, and and I, I'd like to just hear you say you're welcome, but if not, it's cool. <laughs> it was absolutely crazy. So we planned to do this a little earlier, and then it seemed like all hell broke loose, and I haven't gotten like a whole eight hours sleep. I've been getting five hours sleep since the news, since the rumors and the actual news. So it's been crazy, but I'm sure it's going to make this episode so much better because I was just recently at his press conference and the pulse of Philadelphia, the fans are really excited. Well, yeah, and I do think some of that might be a, a lack of excitement in other areas, which we can also touch on later. But <laughs> the way NBA trades work, it's just so funny because we knew Butler was unhappy and he didn't. And, and usually trades like this, right, Crystal, like they, they kind of take a few days, they're drawn out, and then they eventually uh, the trigger gets pulled. This was so sudden, even for, for any sports standard, really. Well, I was actually covering this back in Los Angeles when I was doing commentary for the Fumble. So it was reported that Jimmy Butler was not happy. He actually tweeted out. He has not tweeted since. It's still the first tweet on his Twitter page when there was rumors about him having a meeting with Tom Thibodeau. And he said, no, the meeting's not today. And then joked and said, it's actually tomorrow. So he was very vocal about not really wanting to be there, and allegedly he requested a trade to the Nets, the Knicks, the Clippers, and then later on added the Heat. And it felt like Tom Thibodeau did not want to trade him because obviously he gave away two guards to get him in Zach in Zach Levine and Chris Dunn. That was a hefty price for a guy who's only been there for only one full season and then snapped a 13-season playoff drought. So he didn't really want to give him away too long, and there was a lot of drama with him and Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns and thinking they're lazy or soft. And uh, mm. I think after this five-game losing streak that just they just went on, the Timberwolves, 
he finally gave in. And I know our general manager of the 76ers, Elton Brand, to, uh, at the press conference said he was calling them relentlessly. So I think finally he caved in because other teams offered him pretty good offers. The, the Rockets yeah. offered them a handful of first-rounders, and he he could have really aced out with that. But then uh, I think he was in a stubborn stage and finally gave in after that losing streak and realized that if a player doesn't want to be here, it's not going to ever help the team. Right, and I want to point out, too, a marvelous job by the Bulls originally. Like, look what they ended up with. They trade Jimmy Butler the first time. They get Laurie Markin, who's playing pretty well, and Zach Levine. It was a hefty price. And and for the Sixers, for your Sixers giving up Dario, I know you were a big fan of his, and I know that he was coming along. He was a fan favorite. It is the unfortunate asking price of getting another superstar in Jimmy Butler. So... I give the Timberwolves a little credit in the sense that at least they ended up with somebody that I think could be an impact player for them in Dario Saric, but it's a move the Sixers had to make. You want to make that move in the Eastern Conference, you need another impact player the way the NBA is going. We'll see how the chemistry issues and, and that stuff goes, especially Jimmy Butler in practice, but I'm, I'm really, really <laughs> interested to see how he gets along with Simmons, how he gets along with Fultz, and... Uh, I just I don't know. Well, are you working on that jump shot with Fultz, or or uh, do we need to get do we need to get the experts involved? It was it was it was bad. Reportedly, he stopped working with Drew Hanlon. But there's a few things you said that I wanted to touch on. Dario, the homie, he definitely mm. was a fan favorite. However, I still was okay with this price. Yeah. Because Dario p- plays year round for his national team and crew. I'm sorry, he plays for his national team in Croatia. Croatia. Yeah, there you go, there you go. So he's been playing year-round, and this season he's really been struggling a lot. So he wasn't the same Dario from last year, and that's because it feels like he's tired out there. He had his legs are tired, he was a little slow on defense, he wasn't landing his shots. So as much love as much love as he's gotten in Philadelphia, he also got a lot of trolls coming at him on Twitter. And, you know, Philadelphia is such a tough market when you're not performing. These guys are, they are not shy to let you know about it. So um, that hopefully he doesn't have that problem with the Timberwolves. They still wish him well. But since he wasn't performing, his plus minus every game, it felt like it was in the minus. Yeah. So having Jimmy and adding that shooting and defense, Dario didn't do too well on defense. Hopefully it works out for them. I'm happy that um, what we got out of the deal, and like you said, the locker room issues, we'll see. At the press conference he said, only the people who really know me know who I am, and he made it seem like he's not a locker room cancer. So we can only see. The one thing that I can – stay hopeful about is his personality seems to match that of Joel Embiid. They both seem like funny social media trolls who like to have fun, but with a guy like Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz who seem a little more reserved personality-wise, how is that going to mesh together, especially since Jimmy Butler is a little older than them at 29? Yeah, and I also think there's a lot to prove for Butler. He's got the extension coming up in the offseason. But, Crystal, I also think this is a good opportunity to prove that Minnesota was just a bad situation because if he does get in any drama with the Sixers, right or wrong, it's going to be 
a reoccurring thing at that point. So I think there's a lot to prove yep. on his point to prove that he can be a good teammate, which he was in Chicago coming up. I think defensively people forget how good he is on that end of the court. Practices are going to be intense, but that's always good. It's just it's just when it goes too far that you got an issue there. So we'll see how he gels with Ben Simmons in terms of playing off the ball, who's going to, you know, little things like that, and Embiid. I think Embiid can get along and, and play well with anybody. And, and I do want to talk about him for a second just briefly, Crystal. I've been very impressed with him. I think we all knew that he had the game to be pushing for an MVP candidacy. The biggest thing for me, and so far he's passed the test with flying colors, is just staying in shape and going for 40 minutes a game. If he can continue to, mm-hmm. to do that, then there really is no limit to him. But I think that's the one issue we saw in the playoffs last year, that he got a little tired down the stretch. If he gets his cardio up, I think there really is no stopping him. Joel Embiid has been absolutely phenomenal. It's We're only one-eighth into the season, and he has come out on fire. It seems like almost every single night. So a couple nights ago, he had 35 points, 18 rebounds, and it's so it's, – so consistent that it's starting to feel regular like that's just what he does but that was to all of his hard work that he did in the offseason the bully ball that we're seeing in the post we're seeing a better perimeter game from him actually making plays at the perimeter and shooting from behind the arc from the free throw line (laughs) he is getting so much better and he can have a silent 30 point game easily because he makes more than half of his free throws so his game altogether is just on a different level, and I would say at least top five in the league right now. Hopefully it will stay at this level through the Jimmy Butler era and through the rest of the, the season and hopefully the postseason, so we'll see. I also want to point out, for as much kidding as I, as I do about Markel Fultz, there is some talent there, Crystal, but we've, we're at this point now where you know the big, they have a big three. They're contending now. There is no process anymore. Be that as it may, Brett Brown, as good as Fultz is, he doesn't have to play him anymore. So that's that's one thing that I've noticed just being on, on the outside, not an official Sixers outsider like yourself, but I've noticed mm-hmm. that we're getting to this point where I feel like he's being force-fed minutes that he might not necessarily have earned. There's some games that he plays well and some that he, that he doesn't. He doesn't have to be a main piece anymore, and I think that's going to be telling to see what kind of role Fultz has on this team going forward. You pretty much hit it on the nose, and I was never a fan of him starting, only because I believe starters should earn their position. While I think Brett Brown was doing it to build his confidence, he's a 20-year-old player out there in the NBA competing with older guys. So I think he did it for confidence reasons. And Brett Brown, head coach of the 76ers, has been very vocal that he wants his concentration to be on defense. And he does do things well defensively. But now we're coming to the point where, good, you're out there playing defense, but we want to see some offense too. We want to see you finish on your your lands. We want to see you finish your mid-range jumper. So I feel like that's the next step in his development. And Jimmy Butler coming here can really go – either way it could take less pressure off of him or it could turn around and just put so much more pressure on him I hope that he comes off the bench I think it will do him so much better in his development I hope J.J. Redick becomes a starter I think J.J. Redick does so much better when he's starting and I also hope that folks you know with the whole experiment this season they started the season with 
him and Ben Simmons at the one and two with Markel off ball to start at the two. And, you know, in college, he was the one. So I think Brett Brown started to realize that he's so much more effective with the ball in his hand. So even when Ben Simmons was in the game, he would be on ball. And uh, I could see him leading the second unit, but I don't want to see him as a starter just yet. I know you saw the foul shot. It was like a pump fake foul it, shot. It's the, it was the, the weirdest. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. And when I first saw it, I thought he was trying to draw the defense into a lane violation. I thought it was a prank. At yeah, first. It, yeah, it's like it's like he hesitated, and it's funny you control it, but then you have to really ask yourself what is going on there. So, I mean, that just kind of reinforces my point that I want to see our starters start because they earn the position, not because you're trying to build someone's confidence. He had whole one-eighth of the season, the first 10, 12 games to start. So hopefully when Jimmy gets here, we can have him lead the second unit because he does okay defensively. He does okay bringing the ball down. If he just finishes offensively, he can contribute more to the team. There are some some games where his stat line was not impressive, but his plus-minus was still in the plus because he did help out on the other side of the court. So moving forward... It'll be a real test to see how he does with Jimmy on the team. It will. I'm excited to see it, as I know you are, Crystal Rich, here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, it was perfect. I wasn't expecting to, di- expecting to dive right into basketball, but here we are like old times, <laughs> just doing 10 minutes off the top on that. Well, Just, just kicking in like old times. I love just, it. Just like old times, for sure. Uh, Crystal, I want to ask you about this gig, though. Sixers Outsiders, very exciting. But before that, it, it took a while to get to this part. Um, the last time we talked, you were working in Sacramento. It's believe it or not, this is before you came back to LA the first time, and since then you've came and, and went already. But you came back. You were doing some work for the fumble. You were helping out doing some other projects. What led to you getting this job? I know that Philadelphia has always been where your heart is. Were you looking to move back, and what ultimately opened the door for you to get this gig for Sixers Outsiders? Well, as you know, I grew up in the Philadelphia market, so this has always been my hometown market where all my teams are. So, um, yeah, it's always been on my radar. My top two markets have always been Philadelphia, number one, L.A., number two. So after Sacramento, which was news and a little bit of sports, it was a great experience because we went live 10 to 20 times per day. And unlike normal news stations, we had three-minute live shots opposed to one, But I knew I wanted to get more into sports instead of news. So I decided to, I made a risky decision to leave television and I went to take a job that was, it still had a a huge audience of 1.2 million, but it was on the digital platform. And that was different for me because my career has been so television focused. So it kind of, if honestly, it kind of felt like a little bit of a downgrade, but honestly, it was a setup because the fumble loved for me to just be me. They wanted my opinions. They wanted my commentary. They wanted the debate. They wanted the silly passion that I have for my teams. Um, There was no hiding who I was as a fan, who I am as a journalist, and who I am as a columnist, who I am as just someone with an opinion, especially a woman. And I think that experience is really gave me an edge to 
it brought together all of my broadcast experience. I have the traditional local news, the regional network experience, but now it's time to get into what you really want to do, which is commentary. And that was the first um, stepping stone to to get to Sixers Outsiders. And, uh, you know, I just have contacts in Philly, and I hit them up every so often, just updating them with my reels. And they asked me to come in one, one weekend when I was actually on the East Coast and air-checked a few times, uh, waited a long time, and then got the job offer. So... Mm -hmm. That was pretty much the process. And as you can see, the life of a reporter is crazy. I mean, you've known me since the NFL Network, and I've moved jobs and locations and states and apartments probably a million times already. It's like <laughs> I'm so used to moving now. Yeah, and, and I want to just add as well, I know you've done some sideline reporting and interviewing, but I feel like this job, would you say it's fair to say it, it suits you a little better because you get to comment a little bit more <laughs> and, you're, and you're actually breaking down the game, good and bad. You're, you're getting that raw emotion where, hey, the Sixers you know, have a triumphant win or they blow a late lead. I know I'm going to get that passion when I see you immediately after. <laughs> and that part comes with me just at the end of the day being a fan also. I mean, why do we even cover sports? It's because we love sports. So, uh, yeah, I, I do love it. As far as suiting me better, it's hard to say because at the end of the day, I'm still a journalist. So today when I was at the the Jimmy Butler press conference, I was a journalist. I didn't do any commentary. I was just there asking questions, writing articles. Um, but also on Sixers Outsiders, that's when I get to be someone who expresses their opinion and analyzes the game and does more commentary. So to be completely honest with you, I absolutely love both. I like the traditional aspect of sideline reporting, of, of getting the story um, while you're there and raw and it's happening. But then I also like the aspect of sitting down, analyzing things, coming up with your own opinion listening to other people's opinions. You know, Sixers Outsiders is a very interactive show where we try to get everyone involved via social media live on TV. So both of them are are what I love to do, which is traditional and commentary, and to have a job that kind of mixes both and it allows me to mix both is amazing. Yeah, well, it definitely seems exciting. And I wanted to also ask you, just going forward, this is every game, right? This is every every game you're on the air? Yes, this is every wow. game. So after Sixers game, there's a post-game show, and that's more of the traditional post-game show. And then it's our show with the sports commentary, and there's there, knowing me, there will be some emotion. <laughs> I know you probably remember watching me uh, at the NFL Network cut the Eagles game where I'm screaming my head off yeah, I don't think that was a great idea personally to, to put you on that game but hey I didn't I didn't make those decisions but that has to be but, but that has to be quite the the uh, daily grind I mean I know it's a fun job but so when they're at home I'm assuming you're at the games or, or nearby and, and it, it it takes a lot it's not just working on the show I think people from the outside of TV don't realize what goes in to hosting a show every night after every game no, it's it's a lot because you want to know about the other team thoroughly. You want to make sure you know about your team thoroughly, what's going on, your opinions about what's going on. You're paying attention to the game very tightly. I'm usually live tweeting during every single game, 
halftime. We are at the Wells Fargo Center. So my co-host and I, Tyrone Johnson, are walking around and talking to Sixers fans and just trying to build our community. And uh, and then as soon as the show's over, we have a couple minutes to prepare, and then we're live. So uh, the, the great part about it is it's completely non-scripted, 100%. There's a camera, not one teleprompter. There's no there's no teleprompters in the camera. The pregame show, the postgame show has teleprompters. Us, we're just strictly us. And, and I think the fans can tell that because of our opinions and the way we talk. And sometimes it's a little more casual. And they absolutely love that, especially here in Philadelphia, where it's such a blue-collar city and everyone's so die hard and they just want to kind of tell it like it is. That's our show. And I, I know there's a fan component here. So you're interacting with fans on the show, which sounds really fun, but I'm sure that there's some, some tricky situations with that and, and definitely an adjustment. How are you able to kind of try, I guess, to seamlessly incorporate the fans into your show? Yeah, well, we've been working on it this season. We're only about 13 games in so far, but uh, live tweeting, if you guys – if uh, listeners or people who are watching viewers or people who are watching the game and on Twitter, if they reply to my or Tyrone Johnson's tweets, we might read those on air. And then we also ask listeners and, and viewers and fans to tweet in as they're watching the Sixers game and as they're watching our show using the hashtag Sixers Outsiders and just rant. Let us know your thoughts on the show. And sometimes during the show, while my co-host is talking, one of us will be looking and scrolling through Twitter, trying to find some tweets. And sometimes we do have to filter through some tweets because it is Philly and people get really emotional and they get really uptight or they might use profanity. So we might still read that tweet, but we have to skim over some words. But the fan aspect is really cool because this the city is just so diehard about all of their sports teams. So to give them an outlet through us to vent and let everyone hear it is something that they are taking to like crazy. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I think that's a great idea to just let Philadelphia fans rant more. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but it's good. Because <laughs> we're really good at that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's awesome, though. I'm happy for you. I think the show is, uh, is a great idea. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, the fact that there's the fact that there's 82 games in a basketball season, I think it's good for you and for shows starting out because you get to develop and you get a lot of reps over the course of a season. That's a lot of opportunities. So I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. And then there's the postseason. So hopefully we'll make a deep presence this year, and that's even more shows. So we're hoping to have a good postseason run, especially with the addition of Jimmy Butler. And that will give us more time to interact with the fans and just ran and tell it like it is and report and just have fun. Well, I'm, I can't wait to see how your development goes with the show Sixers Outsiders. And, uh, yeah, anytime. I mean, I'm a big fan of, uh, of the local sports feel. I've seen, you know, I've seen a few of the clips online, obviously not being in Philadelphia, but some good scenery, some good uh, – I, I like the jerseys too. I'm a big fan of that Prokhorov jersey you have hanging up in the uh, in the studio as well, so I think that's good. But no, I think it's thank you. I think it's great, and I think it's an opportunity that uh, you'll definitely take advantage of. But Crystal Rich here on the Money Mitch Effect. I do want to talk uh, a little more sports with you as well. I mean, we can talk about the Eagles if you're ready. Oh man! Oh man! I knew it was coming. 
Well, we had. To. I got to yeah. keep you honest. And plus, I mean, you're so excited about the Jimmy Butler news. I got to. We got to balance you out a little bit. <laughs> there the, you go. Keep me honest. Go ahead. So the Cowboys game on Sunday night. You were at you were tailgating for it. I know you were excited as as that game always brings out the best, <laughs> the best of both mm-hmm. of those fan mm-hmm. bases. But lose that game at home to the Cowboys, drop to four and five on the season. And I just want to start with this. If you is there any. Was there any indication that something like this, maybe not as drastic, an Eagles struggling season after a Super Bowl win? Was there any in, anything that you thought, any reason that you thought this would be possible? Or is this catching you completely off guard that the Eagles are struggling so mightily? I think it caught everyone off guard. Mm-hmm. I think it's catching everyone off guard. But then when you think about it and when you rewind, and this is not going to be a popular take in Philly, but to get to a Super Bowl and to beat the GOAT, Tom Brady, to do that, it takes a lot. It is wear and tear on your body. So last year we had a long list of injuries. This year we have a whole VIP RSVP for the party injuries. It's like a whole club of guys who are not on that field. And that really hurt us tremendously, especially at home against the Cowboys. And this is the thing. The Cowboys have not been a great team this season, so losing at home – the Super Bowl champs losing at home at the link to their arch rival was something that was really tremendously hard to take in, especially for myself being such a diehard fan. You know, I was at the Super Bowl, cried. It was four days before my birthday. The parade was on my birthday. Mm-hmm. So it was hard. But there's there's so many different factors. When you even when, Since we're talking about injuries, our secondary – completely failed us our defensive line it looked like it was non-existent it looked like it was creating holes for Ezekiel Elliott they made Ezekiel Elliott look like the top running back in the league so that was hard we were out we were without two of our cornerbacks and then Ronald Darby got hurt on um on a route that was he was covering Amari Cooper and the crazy the frustrating thing about it is that he didn't get it wasn't a freak accident. He wasn't – no one fell on him. Amari Cooper just ran his route so good, mm-hmm. it felt like he was on a basketball court. Like, he just crossed them up, and then Ronald kind of fell forward and, and hurt his ankle, and it was, it was so hard to see. It's nothing you want to see coming off a of bye week. I think that guys coming off a of bye week, you either see it two ways. Either they are well-rested and refreshed, or it's like they went on a vacation party too much and they're not rested at all. That's kind of what Carson Wentz looked like. The first drive of the game was a three and out. The next one was a really terrible interception. And then the following one after that in the first quarter, five plays and then punted away. So the slow start didn't help us at all. There's just there's so many aspects of this game that was completely off. And when it's the team that you really don't like the most, it hurts a lot. It hurts even more when it's not a great team. I hear I hear what Which you're saying. I know. I, I hear what you're saying. I also think that there's always some indication, at least in the back of my mind, that when you have a team, especially a team how the Eagles are constructed with a lot of veterans, that gets to the mountaintop, that it's just human nature to maybe not be as motivated the next year. The injury luck is part of it's part of sports. I mean, last year the team stays relatively healthy. Obviously, the Wentz injury, but full slides in. We know that story. This year, you guys have been ravaged by injuries. This game against the Cowboys was brutal, but Crystal, honestly, the worst loss to me was the Carolina game. 
You're up 17 points mm-hmm. on your home field at home, and you that, can't close that, that out. That was another. That's another example. That's another example. And you saw that the defense and some of the players were celebrating because we had a 17 point lead. And then, and then again, you know, Schwartz has been on our defensive coordinator. He has been on the hot seat. That's what I, that's and what again, I hear. he was on. He has been on the hot seat. And again, with this Dallas game on the hot seat, because it was like there were no defensive players out there. It looked like everyone was playing for the Cowboys in that game, especially in the Carolina game. So it's hard to watch. Um, We did make a big move in getting Golden Tate. And and when you think about it, even our run game, Jay Ajayi's out. Mm -hmm. Wendell Smallwood is like our fourth running back on the on the death chart. Corey Clement is battling some injuries. Darren Sproles hasn't played in a while. So you're relying on these guys. Josh Adams did pretty well, but he only got seven uh, carries last game against Dallas. So, I mean, you can't say what – you can't really question too much because you don't know what was available on the trading block and how much they were asking for it. I wish we would have went after a back. But we went after Golden Tate, which is great. I'm a, I'm a Tate fan back to his days at Seattle. But in the Dallas game, he was he was hardly utilized. He was utilized in the return game, which was kind of annoying to me because the Dallas Cowboys, they utilized Amari Cooper tremendously. And I just wondered why we didn't do the same with Golden Tate, who was he, – he came to Philly off of his bye. So he had time to learn at least a handful of plays to – get him acclimated in the system a little bit. But you're absolutely right. Carolina was devastating, and this was even more devastating since it's our, since its arrival in our defense. It's just – it looked like it is completely diminished. But you know what the thing is? Yeah, we people put up with injuries every year, but when you have such a long laundry list, it's looking like the guys who are, you know, second string, third string, they're not, they're not cutting it. They're not cutting it. Starters are starters for a reason. This is something hard that um, that coach Doug Peterson has to put up with, and uh, it's it's even looking harder for for next week when we take on the Saints. It's that's something that a lot of people are worried about. If we're getting stomped on by a not good Dallas team, yeah, then imagine what happens when you face Drew Brees. Yeah, the Saints look like the best team in football right now. Um, Crystal, I agree with you, but there is another there's another element to this that I think is true. I think you brush Carson back onto the field. I really do. I mean, I think he's great, and I think he's going to be uh, uh, the franchise, but what happens when you have a team that struggles out of the gates when Foles isn't playing as nearly as good as he did, obviously, in that Super Bowl run, there was that tension to get Carson Wentz back on the field and as good as he is and as good as he can be, that's a serious ACL injury. He, no preseason. He just waltzed right back onto the game field. I don't care who you are, you're going to have issues there. So I think that's part of it, too. He's been a little rusty, and, and obviously so. You know what? I honestly, I cannot disagree with you. And this is a point that I have made, and people are very quick to tell me it's a terrible point, but I, I will go as far as to say is that he may need an entire year just to feel 100% confident that he won't be injured again. Could be and what real. happens 
when when what happens when you're playing reserved is that you start making mistakes and if you're not 100% confident that you won't get injured or you're playing a little more cautiously you're not going to be playing as well so he came out he deserves some of the criticism because it, it was a terrible start offensively and that could be because he came back from such a tremendous injury where he had to not play in the Super Bowl that he led his own team to so uh I mean, that's a take that I've said before. People shot it down, but I think now they're kind of realizing that, you know, maybe he is playing a little more cautiously because he doesn't want to go through that that same thing again. Maybe we did rush him back. I mean, we had Nick Foles, so uh, and he, the media has been relentless in the preseason. You know, if Foles is, is Foles or Wentz starting, so it was a lot of pressure on Doug Peterson, but um, – it could very well be part of the issue, but we honestly will never truly know because it will never be reported that he – I don't see Carson Wentz ever saying he's playing cautiously because he's scared to get injured, or I, I never see that coming to light of the media. If anything, I think that will be behind closed doors within the NovaCare complex with the Eagles, but we'll never know. We can only speculate. Well, it's troubling, but you have a Super Bowl championship, so I'm, I have no sympathy for you at all. So that's uh, <laughs> that's where I'm at. But Crystal, as we keep talking here on the Money Mitch Effect, what are some of the other definitely more positive storylines you've been looking at in the NFL this year? I know the Eagles are struggling, but what are some of the things you've been monitoring, paying, paying attention to during this uh, NFL year that's been kind of odd, I'd have to say? Well, you know what? I think the Rams are always so interesting to watch, mm. just because, and not only because uh, Jared Goff is on my fantasy team, there but is, yeah. because they had such they're not just a, an amazing start, but they're having such an awesome season. Of course, they took that L, but uh, you know, this is a guy who was in the same draft class as Carson Wentz, so I like to pay attention to Jared Goff, and it just. You know, it kind of is funny looking back when you have Fisher who sat him for a while and then he, he's gone and now Jared Goff is the man in Los Angeles and he's drawing a lot of fans out to out to uh, the games who, who, you know, when they first got back to L.A., they did not have that, um, that fandom at all. People almost didn't care. I would talk to news directors who said that the Rams got terrible ratings. Um, so that's the... the one of the honestly one of the main teams that I'm really kind of interested in and, and would love to see the progression. Of course, there's always Kansas City, and I will always have a divorce complex with Andy Reid, 100%. <laughs> I always still root for him, still love him. I think Mahomes is an amazing you just, young quarterback. You just look at so... him and think, where did where did we go wrong? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, he's Andy Reid's doing some great things, but because of the divorce complex, I'm always happy to see him do well. Um, Mahomes to me is is amazing. I love to see him play. I love to see his athleticism, and I can't wait to see it develop throughout the years to come. Uh, let's see what else is going on in the NFL. Well, Tom I wanted, Brady didn't have no. He he didn't. Brady got lit up by the Titans, but I think part of that is Belichick likes to. I don't, I don't want to say he'll he'll throw games. I'm not throwing that out there, but he kind of does like to have that loss, that really bad Patriots loss to hang over them during the year. Like you guys think you're so yeah. good. Look what can happen when you don't execute. Um, that Rams Chiefs game. I mean, they play on Monday. That game got relocated to L. A. 
today, which was right. fitting because they had a Shakira concert on that stadium and they let people on it and just tore it up. So, I mean, I don't know what the think, thought process was there. What's your take, though, on Le'Veon Bell's situation? I wanted to ask you that because today was the deadline. He's not coming back this year. He forfeited $14 million this year. But he will not be yeah. a Steeler next year, and, and they're going to let him, I guess, they're definitely going to let him move on. So, you know, James Conner's done well. What do you think with, uh, what's your thought on that situation? It's it, it's something that I covered back before I moved to L.A. at the Fumble. We talked a lot about Le'Veon Bell and said that, you know, he was rumored to come back week seven and rumored to come back week ten. And I was like, wait, he's probably not coming back at all. And uh, the interesting part to me is that the guys on the offensive line, they were the ones, his own teammates were the ones who were extremely upset at him and they were ranting to the media about him like, you know, we make a fraction of what you make and we're doing it for you and you can't even show up. Um, So there's that and I understand that point, but James Conner has stepped up tremendously even from his first game as a Steeler, so that's, that's kind of cool to see. But then on the other hand, you know, I also kind of understand Le'Veon Bell's point, whereas the NFL, you know, of course you want to say they care about their players, but Le'Veon Bell is well aware that he's entering the latter part of his career and he wants, at his age, he wants to keep his body healthy and make as much money as he possibly can while he can give his best performance because it seems like usually they'll sign rookies to a long deal and then after their deal, not for the top players, but for most players in the NFL, their their average years that they play is about three to four years. After their rookie deal, they kind of fizzle out. So uh, I, I understand it. And I completely get it where you want to get your money, especially in your athletic prime. But there's also a part of me that's like, you know, maybe this is because I'm from Philly and we're so die hard. I don't think that would work in our market. Mm-hmm. Uh, I There's a part of me that just wants to see the guy just get out there and play. I just I want to see you care about your team. You know, yeah. he, the franchise passes, they wanted to give him about 14.5 million that's about 14.5 million more dollars than the average person will ever see and i know he wants that monster contract um and wants to preserve his body but it's such a fine line it's such a fine line because you can understand and sympathize with the athlete for wanting to make the most money as possible in their athletic prime so they're not almost for lack of a better word screwed over when they start declining but at the same time you want someone who's so selfless and cares about the team and wants to help the team win so I'm, I'm very much on the borderline and I understand both sides and this is probably where I would be 100% a journalist and have to tell both sides of the story to uh, really get the point across yeah, I mean, my thought process and, and my thoughts on this are pretty straightforward. The teammate side of it that you brought up, it sounds like he just wasn't straightforward, and, and that's the part where I understand the teammate side. It is a business. If you say, look, this is what I'm going to do, guys. I'm sorry, but I need to make this decision for me and for my family or whoever, then that's okay. But it sounds like they were blindsided, like they showed up to camp and he just wasn't there, which I get. It's it's your brother in arms, and you're not you're not going to be with him there. I get him trying to make a business decision. The thing is, though, Crystal, he was already getting fourteen point five million, and that's you know yeah. Todd Gurley's the highest paid running back at about fifteen million. 
I don't know how much more money there is to get to a running back. He's 26. There's the, the thought process being about four more good dominant years left for him, maybe more depending on if he can extend his career. But look at some of the guys that are tearing it up this year in the NFL. Peyton Lindsey was an undrafted rookie for Denver. He's having a great year. Mm-hmm. Nick Chubb was late and was a second-round draft pick. He's doing well for the Browns. You just don't. And James Conner, the guy in Pittsburgh, just steps right in and as a late-round draft and pick. And does well. And does so well. Really well. So I just, from a business side, I understand why you would want to, from the player side of things, you know, market get your best market value. But if you're running an NFL team, why would you spend so much money on a running back when you can find running backs for cheap, late in the draft pick, late in the draft rounds, and on less on, on smaller contracts? So I just don't know what that and market's going to look like. And he and he sacrificed fourteen and a half million this year. I mean that's that's, yep. a, that's a risky play in any business. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was saying. The point that um, fans are not going to be able to sympathize with you. Uh, giving up your franchise tag when a franchise tag is worth $14.5 million. I mean, to an average fan, that's a lot of money. So there, you can't expect for them to sympathize with you. And just like we say, it's the, the next man up league. And, and James Conner really came out and proved that. He proved that he's doing such a good job. And for Le'Veon Bell, it's like, you know, yeah, he wants to have this, you know, he wants to get paid according to his value. Um, but like you said, there are other uh, running backs in the league like Todd Gurley who are making just slightly less money than what his franchise tag offer was. So it, it really is a slippery slope. I personally, and again, I think this is because I'm from such a diehard sports area, I I would have been back on that team because I, I, I believe in some aspect of selflessness and and doing it for the team, doing it for the city. Yes, you want to secure the bag, as I always joke and say, but at the same time, um, at the same time, it's not just about you. It, it's just, it's, it's really a tricky situation because I really do understand both sides, and I agree with you in that I believe his teammates were kind of left in the dark, and that's where they were ranting. Um, and he is, he is now technically in his late 20s, so I understand his point of he, he might he might be doing this because maybe he feels like he only has three or four good seasons left and he wants to get that that three four year or long term deal that would guarantee him a lot of money but he's not going to get paid like Odell Beckham Jr. is that's it's not going to happen. No, no, it doesn't seem to be that way. Well, the NFL is uh, it's been exciting. You look at Mahomes, he's been amazing. Breeze is having a throwback here, even. Even Philip Rivers, who we, who doesn't get enough credit, is balling out. And then Todd Gurley. I, I think there's there's plenty of MVP candidates this year. You know, I'm all about the Browns. I'm all excited there, Crystal. I've been <laughs> waiting for it. I've caught Baker fever. I'm so happy they fired Hugh Jackson. Three wins, whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's just let's just move on upward. I'm I'm excited for what the future brings for the first time, and I know it's how long. Yeah, I remember when they got their first win. They were they're party. They had free beer throughout the entire city. It looked like they won a Super Bowl, and that's that tells you a lot. So when they when they got that win, it was just so exciting. And for them to even, I know one game they tied the Steelers. Like that <laughs> yeah. was something so admirable for that team to do to tie the Steelers out of all teams. Um, so this is an exciting season for them. Um, 
even if they just had one win and had one tie, but they even went above and beyond that. So hopefully in the future they do a little better because, I mean, I know the fans are so just tired, just tired of losing so much. I mean, and I almost sympathize with them being, not that the Eagles were ever that bad, but we, before last year, we never had a Super Bowl. So I felt in every sports argument that I would ever get into, the class line is, but how many rings do you have? So uh, I'm glad that they're doing a little, a little bit better this year. We'll see. The only way to go is up, so I'm excited there. Uh, but Crystal Rich here on the Money Mitch Effect. Before I let you go, it's a blast as always. I did want to talk a little more hoops with you. We, we mentioned the Sixers and, and how they're going to do this year, and uh, we'll see who we'll see who Jimmy Butler punches first in the face in practice, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, he better not try that on uh, Joel Embiid. No, no, north of seven feet. No, that's a tough one for him. But do you think they're they're at the top of the pecking order in the Eastern Conference because? I think the future's bright. Yeah. I think the buyouts are, are, are an option for them to add some shooting where I think they're clearly weakened. I still, I mean, and the Celtics are good, but what the Raptors are doing, if Kawhi can stay healthy, that's a well-rounded team. And, and it's funny, I think people forgot just how much of a beast he is. Yeah, no, I, I would not put them atop of the Eastern Conference just yet. And another team that we talk about is also the Bucks yeah. uh, with the Greek Freak with Giannis. So, no, I would not put them at the top, but I do see them as immediate contenders since the acquisition of Jimmy Butler. Since we have someone who is not afraid to average 20 points a game, who is not afraid to shoot, unlike some other players on our team who can put up some good defense. Uh, Christmas Day, we got another uh, matchup against the Celtics, so that will be a really good test to see where we stand in the East. And when we play the Bucks again and we play the Raptors again uh, with Jimmy and if there is any other shooters that we add to our team, uh, there is rumors that uh, Corver might come back to the Sixers. And then we also saw a really good game from one of our bench guys. His name is Cork Maz. We did not pick up his third-year option, but he came out with something something to prove against the Miami Heat. He shot 3 of 6 from behind the arc, 50%. Just had a five. He's only 21, kid from overseas, and he he looked great. He looked like he had something to prove. So, in so much so that fans were saying, you know, forget Corver, stick oh. with the young guy who's doing really well shooting. So, um no, we're not on top of the East yet, but currently we are uh, I believe we're third behind Toronto and Milwaukee, but even though we're ahead of Boston, we still need to beat Boston to be better than them. We, we could sit above them in the Eastern Conference all day long, but I, it won't be until Christmas Day. Uh, so hopefully we don't get let down on Christmas Day, but that will be the test, a really good test to see where we stand. And when you talk about Toronto, Kawhi has been there. He is a champion. Danny Green has been there. He may be a role player, but he has been there. He is a champion. Before there was Steph Curry, there was Danny Green sticking in those threes. Oh, I know. So that will be a yeah, that will be another great matchup just to see where we stand. And I'm actually thankful that we have some time and we got Jimmy where we did because mm-hmm. we need time for him to gel in with this team and fit in before we make our next round of these games and before we see Boston. 
Yeah, Milwaukee and your Sixers, the only undefeated teams at home in basketball. So something to kind of consider there. And with all due respect to to Embiid and, and, and Curry out west and, and all that, Giannis has been the best player this year so far, I think. So what he's been able to do, the leaps he's made at, at his size to move the way he does, it's really impressive. They've been a lot better. I actually think the Pacers are going to be frisky as well. They're one of the rare teams that I think has the – they actually kind of have some cap space, so if they want to go after it and be try to maybe not land somebody in that Jimmy Butler range, but nab a quality player via a trade, I think they can. So, yeah, there'll be some <laughs> there'll be some moves to be made. The East is fun. I do want to before we talk a little bit about the West Crystal next time, and I know they play in December a couple of times. I need your inside analysis of uh, Ben Simmons versus Blake Griffin. What that means on and off the court? <laughs> go at it because that was incredible. <laughs> So I think we all know what what the core reason of that is. There's just a there's not they enough Jenners in the world. <laughs> so I Blake Griffin backing down Ben Simmons uh, down twenty points and Ben dribbling the ball out. That was just incredible to watch. Yep, yep. That is that is something to talk about. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing another one of those matchups because Blake Griffin. Um, the first time we played him, I think he scored fifty points against us. That's when Ben was out with back tightness. Um, we beat them the next go around, but again, I, I foresee that just being a good game anytime we match up from for and for however long Blake is there. Uh, a tremendous forward in the game. So seeing him and Ben go at it and knowing <laughs> that they dated the same girl just makes me. But basketball is just so much fun. Two, there's two just same so much. Girls. There's drama on the court, <laughs> off the court. It's it's year yeah. round. <laughs> yeah, they actually dated two girls that are similar for both of them. So that's pretty. That's they, just a, a fascinating. Is the other one Tanache? I don't, yes. I'm not sure yep. if I knew that Blake. That's, that's I correct. didn't know that Blake Griffin Tanache. Wow. See, you learn something new you every learn day. Learn something new every day. There you go. <laughs> Did you happen to see that Warriors Clippers game last night? And we can kind of touch on this before I let you go. But the what what went down with the Warriors Clippers game, where the Clippers win in overtime. Draymond Green got Did suspended not. by the team tonight. He's not playing. So he's out of the lineup. Right. A team issued suspension right. because Draymond takes the ball, tries to go coast to coast, do a little too much. Durant loses his mind, which, look, I get it. I think we all understand how that works. Durant wants the ball. But apparently it spilled over into the locker room. And of all people, funniest part to me, Crystal, is that DeMarcus Cousins was playing Peacemaker. That's just hysterical. Right, and... That's what that's what everyone was talking about because Demarcus Cousins Boogie is kind of like the the little brother of the team I would say the one who always wants to have fun and for him to take on that role was I think people almost thought it was comical to see to see him take on that role um, you know again though Steph Curry's out you don't want to lose the Clippers it's just something that you don't want to do I I almost equate that to football where the Eagles. Super Bowl team, they don't want to lose to the Cowboys, who are not a good team. So I think that's why the emotions were running so high, and uh, when it's a passionate game like that, and uh, again, it's California right up the coast, it's it's not... I, I think the emotions really just got the best of them. Yeah, and I, th- and I think the Warriors, too. I mean, there's a lot of... They've won a lot, but you can tell it, it wears on anybody to play that much basketball at that high of a level. So there's going to be moments like this where they look human. And I think 
Kerr is just great at hitting the reset button, keeping the team grounded. They'll be fine. Too much talent. Kerr will come back. We know what that story looks like. But the rest of the Western Conference looks pretty exciting. I think part of that's the the Rockets and that whole Carmelo situation, which isn't going to end in, in good terms for him, it looks like. But the rest of the West seems pretty wide open. Who do you think, if, if I was asking you know, Crystal Ridge Sixers Outsiders host, who is the next best team in the Western Conference? Who do you think that is? Besides Golden State, or, and we're talking about a, a Steph Curry-less Golden well, State. Yeah, uh, right now, like if you had to say early on, and things could change in the Rockets or maybe the Lakers or somebody rises up, but right now who do you think is playing the, the best, and, and who would you say if you had to have a hunch? There's a lot of options. I don't think there's a wrong one. Yeah, I mean, the, the West, it's it's like it's almost predictable what, what you think is going to happen. This year has been a little bit different since, you know, Mellows with Houston, and now they're not doing well at all. It's, it's, it's crazy to kind of see them go from the Western Conference Finals to having a record that looks something like 5-7. and seven. Uh, I think Portland and Denver are interesting teams, but when we're talking, but it's still pretty early on in the season. Um, I think when we start getting to midseason later on in the season, we're going to see the rise of Showtime. Mm. We're going to see the rise of the Lakers. Um, because it's this storyline that we've seen so many times. When LeBron goes to a team, they kind of struggle, and then he does what he always does, puts the team on his back. He's getting older now. I don't think he can do that for too many years. Um, So I think later on in the season, we will see that rise. Currently, right now, Portland and Denver are, I think, the two teams that are are balling out the most, and I cannot wait to see – if that continues on, because again, it is it is very early on in the season and things do tra- change drastically. Um, so those are my two teams now, but then uh, the Lakers definitely later on in the season. And I don't think anyone sees it coming, um, but I do, just okay. because it's, I feel like it's a trend with LeBron. And then especially next year, after all these one-year options, uh, and they get their another huge player, maybe uh, Clay, a Kawhi, a KD, whoever it may be, then that will really set them up for the next three years. Well, I would say right now it's Denver. I just like their depth, and I hear what you're saying about the Lakers, but my counter to that is, have you seen that team play defense? Yeah, yep. It's not yep. good. Especially with the younger guys. It's not younger good. Younger guys, and, and yeah, and that's almost our struggles. The Sixers struggle sometimes defensively. They they struggled a little bit. We had a first-team all-defensive player, and Covington gave him away. But even his defense was okay this season. It, it wasn't it wasn't of last year's caliber. So um, if you have if you want to win a championship, you got to play defense. I agree with you there. I still think that LeBron finds ways. He creates ways to to make it happen. Um, but the West is it's, it's interesting, and usually it's so predictable. But this year. It's it's not gold. It's not Golden State, um, Oklahoma, Houston. Those aren't the top teams right now. Besides Golden State, um, it's it's Portland, Denver, the Warriors, the Clippers at eight and five. So, it's who even thought the Clippers would be eight and five early on in the season? I, I sure didn't. Yeah, it's exciting, but we all know how this is going to end. <laughs> so I think that that's where <laughs> that's where I'm going to leave this. Crystal, this was a blast. Uh, seriously, thanks for everything. 
And make sure everybody out there listening checks out Sixers Outsiders. It should be, and you have a lot more episodes left. It's going to be great. You and Tyrone Johnson on NBC Sports Philadelphia. So everybody, make sure they check out Sixers Outsiders. What else can we expect as we get to the cold winter months of basketball season? Winter is coming, my friends. Winter is coming, especially with the addition of Jimmy Butler. You can expect a 76ers team that are that is going to make a good run this season, a good run, an interesting run. No matter what happens, good or bad, people will be watching us. People will be watching how Jimmy Butler gels with Joel, how he gels with Ben, how he gels with Fultz, J.J. Redick. So it's going to be interesting no matter what happens. We are here to be the voice of the fans, to give you our opinions, to give you our commentary, and ultimately to help us get the momentum as fans to have faith in the next step of the process, which we hope to call winning. That was good. That was a good sales pitch. Um, I hope it works out. <laughs> I hope it works out as well as you as you pinpointed it, but... We know how sports works. There's going to be some ups and downs, and the ride's going to be fun. And I would say, Crystal, just enjoy it. Keep on working hard, and we'll try to we'll try to get you on at some point before you know a year has passed. Although I do know, <laughs> I do know that we're making progress. Soon you're going to be on that Rutgers alumni Wikipedia page. So keep up the good work. Hey, I love it. Thank you, Mitch. Have a good one, Crystal Rich on the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again for joining the show. Huge thanks again to Crystal Rich for taking time out of her hectic schedule to talk some sports, break down her career path. As always, thanks to her. Very talented. Make sure you check out her on Sixers Outsiders and all her sports media endeavors as well. Thanks again. And thanks to Brian Nelson for supplying the podcast artwork, Tim Adams for supplying the music that goes along with each episode. You can catch every episode of The Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Leave a rating, review, subscribe there. I'm on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21, and we do have a Money Mitch Effect Facebook page that you can check out as well. Another reminder, every Friday, a sports gambling college bet, football betting show, running with the money. Only a couple weeks left in the season, but we will take you all the way through bowl season for sure. It's getting good. We have two weeks. Rivalry week is the final week of the season. Then we got conference championship week, and then bowl season. We're off and running. It's, it's incredible how far along this year this season has gotten. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, thanks again to Crystal Rich. Make sure that whatever you're doing, you're enjoying it. And I hope it's sports. Keep enjoying that as well. I'll talk to you next time.